Welcome everyone to another episode of Europe's B2B Tech Sales Podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm very happy to welcome Manfred Artmeier today. Hello Manfred, nice to have you here. Hi Patrick, thanks for having me. Yes, I'm very look, much looking forward to this discussion, Manfred. Manfred is the Chief Commercial Officer at MultiConnect in Munich. And uh, yeah, Manfred, you prepared your two tactical tips and let's dive right in. Right. Um, so again, again, thanks for having me. Uh, one career update, so to say, in the beginning. Um, I'm, I was the Chief Commercial Officer of MultiConnect. And uh, since beginning of this year, um, I'm the head of growth um, of Request, a fintech being based uh, also near Munich and being focused actually on the management of withholding taxes um, for banking and investment companies. But yes, I've been five or I was five years the CCO of MultiConnect. So very, uh, very good. Just an update, not a correction. I should have read your preparation sheet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the update. Yeah. Um, so over to you again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what I would like to, let's say, provide to people listening to this podcast um, are five. I would say tips I will provide afterwards do have three different targets or goals, so to say. One is one thing we are all annoyed of. This is long sales cycles and complex procurement processes. So one major goal I'm always having in adopting new processes, uh, in obviously also looking at um, a new approach, sometimes even um, in, in, the, in the sales, um, in, in, the, in the, the potential um, sales strategy is the reduction of sales cycles, especially when it comes to assetted um, complex procurement processes. A second thing which links to this a bit, but not totally, is um, a higher share of wallet at the prospect or the customers. So how to gain more out of a prospect and a customer. And the third thing is one thing I'm very, very keen on, on having in my team. And always I'm keen on having each and every deal we're making. This is sometimes a bit tricky and sometimes a bit informal maybe also, but this is an, an information advantage um, at the prospects or accounts. And due to or in order to gain this information advantage, um, we have to um, make friends at the prospect and we obviously um, have to develop what we call champions at the prospects also. So these are the three major goals I'm, I'm having in this podcast or all the tips and recommendations I'm having. They are targeted towards to those goals. Re I like re it. Re reduction of the sales cycle, the higher wall share of wallet at the prospect or customer and how to gain information advantage, especially so in, in, in maybe in a procurement process. Yeah, Patrick, sorry. So now we I just wanted to say, Manfred, now we're very keen on uh, hearing those. So uh, what's what's the first one? Right. Um, the first one, actually, um, just to say this, um, not to have any disappointment here, uh, looking at the four different sales stages. So let's say the, 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 the how to gain a prospect, so the, the, the whole things SDRs are doing, the qualification of the prospect, then obviously the the um, proof of concept phase where I'm, I'm keen on, on sending something afterwards and the negotiations things and obviously afterwards the um, signing of the deal and the launch. I'm focusing on the qualification now and first and foremost 
uh, on the phase of the um, proof of or on the proof of concept um, phase and of the offering phase, so to say. So I'm jumping in. So please, um, DSAs people, if you would like to adopt those recommendation recommendations, jump into this stage now. First tip I'm having is make no commitment without commitment. This sounds very generic and very easy, but it's not, and it's definitely not a thing which is, in this case, um, uncritical. I, th I find it very critical in each and every deal we're making and in each and every um, proof of concept phase or testing phase we're doing with enterprises, enterprise customers, but also mid-cap customers. So again, make no commitment without commitment. What does this mean? We need a testing of how serious is it and um, how keen are the how keen is the customer indeed then to finalize the POC successfully and obviously to a seal a deal. So how can we test this kind of commitment? So one thing is POC gets paid, period. There's nothing for free. A POC should obviously um, reflect the efforts um, your and the precise teams um, or team um, is, is having. Um, and obviously this doesn't mean a further cost burden for the customer because you just can deduct it afterwards, maybe from a set of fee or further. But again, I think um, it should be paid and nothing should be for free because it guides you indirectly or directly sometimes into the wrong direction with the customer. Um, Was your experience, yeah. Manfred, on this that it's also always possible to have it get paid from the customers? Well, it, yeah, well, that's a very, very fair remark. I'd say there is no POC which shouldn't be paid. Then it's maybe a for free generic standard testing in a sandbox, that's fine. But a POC means for me that you allocate resources there, that you go in, go in there with a project team, that you, um, um, re that you um, really think about the customer pains, how to solve it and so forth. So this is really solutions business, right? So mm -hmm. um, I don't think it should be unpaid. If a customer or a prospect requests it, we just say, okay, um, it, it, it has to be paid, uh, but we give you a voucher. So as soon as you have, as soon as you sign the main contract, um, you just, um, in this case, have a voucher and you deduct it from your first fee or so. Don't, mm -hmm. So then it's, so to say, for free, but it needs a commitment, meaning that then indeed mm -hmm. um, a cooperation afterwards. Can a commitment also be not in terms of money, but like, uh, hey, uh, here's a project team of five people, do the they invest their time um, indeed. to your... Indeed. indeed. So m money is one of the things. I would say it's a key requirement, but it's only one requirement. So that they allocate good good and, and, and enough resources is a second one. That there's mm -hmm. a limitation when it comes to the time is one. There's even a third one I'd like to have. Sorry, I'd like to have, I always like to have. This is a certain kind of POC exclusivity, meaning if they want to have a proper testing and proper POC, and then indeed you should be the one they test with and not do this in parallel with five, five other providers. Then you're mm -hmm. rather, so the, the, this again, um, a bit, I guess, um, gives you the, the kind of commitment which might guide you to a deal. Um, and there's one thing I'm always, this is always a tricky one, right? But um, that you, at a certain stage of the POC, um, get a first buy-in when it comes to the commercial frameworks 
um, of the um, main contract. Mm-hmm. So especially mm-hmm. if you see the first green lights in the POC, I'd like to just, I don't know, jump into a call then with the procurement team and say like, with a very high likelihood, we will seal the deal. And uh, in order to avoid any, I don't know, timing-wise challenges, we might target a freeze or so forth. I mean, salespeople are creative, right? In, in putting people under time pressure. <laughs> and so are we. Um, then then just start some commercial, um, yeah. some, some commercial negotiations in parallel. What is your general opinion when it comes to, you say POC, I like it to call it proof of value, not proof right. of concept. It depends where you are at stage, right? It depends. Very early stage startups can call it POC if their concept is not uh, not right. right. I call it proof of value because you want to establish value and costs before you want to see, okay, it actually would bring more value than costs. So let's prove this. And then we go in a proof of value. Um, What's your general opinion on proof of values? Should you try to avoid it as a salesperson or a company? Should you, what what, what would you do? I think in, in some case, cases, it's for both sides even better. And um, especially if you're into a very rather solution kind of, of, of business, first and foremost. Um, and there's a second thing which a bit circles back to the, to the, to the thing um, I said um, beforehand. Um, that's the, the goal of, of the, the high share of value um, at, at, the, at the prospect or with the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, a POC is also a sales opportunity because there will be some deltas, some, some gaps within the, within the, 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 the project. Um, mm-hmm. And we will, you will identify some weaknesses of the customers also. And the, in, in sometimes, not very often, but at least sometimes, Mm-hmm. Um, this provides you with very nice upsell opportunities. Great, yeah, that's interesting. I never, never heard this actually. Makes sense. Um, so I like this, uh, Manfred. You never uh, get a commitment without, or never give a commitment without getting a commitment. That's actually a very good phrase um, for for this. Um, I like the the concept. What's the second one you had prepared? Well. Indeed, um, uh, this uh, again, um, well, I mentioned this um, beforehand, um, meaning that we're building up champions at the customer or um, in, at the prospect. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the headline is make friends, uh, sorry, make fans to friends. So on, in each and every proof of value or POC, however you would like to name it, there will be some people at the other side, at the potential customer side, who love the solution, who love at least the value it might bring. Otherwise, you're not at the, in this stage, right? So, um, and making them uh, to um, from from um, fans to friends is a very, very important thing. Also to gain a, f- a further thing I mentioned before, to have a certain information advantage. So identifying those people in a meeting, in a workshop, maybe in, in separate um, individual calls, it's a very, very, very essential part of the things I'm doing. So who is our friend? Uh, who, who, who is currently a fan of our solution and can become a friend um, of us? And concretely speaking, um, you need a certain kind of trust, right? You have to build up a certain kind of trust level with those people, meaning obviously um, you have to give them or provide them 
um, I'd say, um, special um, advantages um, uh, and special treatment, if, I, uh, if you want to um, um, label it this way. One thing is um, I'm always keen on having the calendar, the timetable of the other side. So normally I'm very aware of their steering committee state because I know when they report and that's um, when the report on other project status and challenges and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I know, normally know who is reporting to whom. Mm -hmm. And giving this person who should become a friend, right, and is a fan right now, the right um, reporting scheme, sometimes I even do the slides for them, is a typical win-win. Because it's great, I, I have this kind of message control, right, because I know what they're reporting um, to, the, to the committees, plus, he has far less efforts, right? And he's a winner also because um, normally, obviously, um, they report them positive messages. And this kind of builds sometimes something like a business friendship um, because it helps them in their career also, right? Um, if they're in a, in a PSEOP um, proof, of, proof of value team, it's just great for them to report positive things, isn't it? And helping them to report it in the right way. Don't forget, we're salespersons. We know how to sell success things or success stories, they are normally not, they're tech persons. It's just a great win-win situation normally. So mm -hmm. know, you have to know to, who is reporting to whom within this project at least and when they're doing this. And then obviously one of your fans can become a friend um, in case you have him or her to report the right things. And friend, you mean champion as well. So that's the champion as well, right? Okay, right. and what, what, what are, diff, what are uh, important criteria of a champion? Well, he or she must first and foremost trust you and you must mm -hmm. trust the other person because there will be something like, let's say, an informal exchange of information, right? Something, maybe even some things which is, I don't know, still confidential or so forth. So there must be a trust level. Um, there must be this, this, this certain kind of, of mentality also um, that you can be yeah, in this case, really clear to each other. So that's the, that's the one thing. Second thing is he or she must um, identify the project you're doing with them or the product they would like to implement as a real opportunity for them, right? So meaning you're selling a CRM system. Um, he is currently or she is currently, I don't know, any head of something. But in case he becomes the product owner for the CRM system, um, it might be a very, very nice tableau to present him or her to other people also to, to have some advantages in career development. And so the people must be have a certain drive. Uh, it does not make, it does not help, I don't know, to, to make um, a IT admin to a fan. I mean, it's great to have them, get me right, but he or she must have a certain kind of drive and think that this is really an opportunity um, I can use for me personally. So mm. self-interest is, is, is a very um, important precondition. And there's a third one, I'd say, this is indeed um, that they, I guess, have a certain, uh, they should identify or they should be able to identify themselves a bit with the product and the solution. I mean, it's again, great to have a fan, but if the fan is only 10% in the project, then at a certain stage, it becomes just too superficial. Mm. One thing I would add there is influence also. If you want to have a really good champion, the person should have influence 
as well um, in in the the project not necessarily paying for it or not paying for it because the payer is the economic buyer and not the champion, uh, but the champion should kind of have influence. Um, right. Right. <clears throat> All right, Manfred. Or, or, or like to gain influence, then it's sometimes even better. Then it's sometimes even better. But yes, indeed, yeah, this, this drives drive the motivation, right? Yeah, true. I like the driving, so they need to have drive because that's what I experienced a lot with the champions I had in the past uh, eight, nine years. They were usually people who you could, from the very first meeting, you knew these are people who can push. It's similar with sales. If you or if you meet certain amount for for the for hiring, right? You mm. you see, okay, mm. this person has drive that they can push, and um, and the same with champions actually. So I like that you bring this up. It's really important. And as soon as you feel like mm, not able to push, it might be difficult with that person. Indeed. Okay, so good. I like it, uh, Manfred. You have a third one even. Yeah, so we're, we're jumping now to the other side. So we, we've made fans to friends and we now have to know our enemy. In each and every proof of value or proof of concept, there are, I would say, natural enemies, meaning stakeholders within the customer or even a third or a fourth party who just would like to avoid any kind of maybe change, right? Because it's just more work for an IT department. It's generally... Oh, always everything is just too expensive. It takes a lot. Why should we change it? We don't see the real gain for this. And and sometimes even here, why are we doing this? Um, other things will be far more important. And I think you all heard this, right? I mean, that's that's just normal. You you never have a project, you never have a prospect, a prospect. Um, where everyone is a big fan of what you're doing and what you'd like to change or implement or whatsoever. So most important thing is by knowing the enemy, obviously is identifying the enemy. And I'm doing this in a very, very straight way. And or we are doing this in a very straight way. Um, no one will say in the beginning, having a first workshop or a, a first talk, I'm totally against the whole project. Sometimes I heard this even because um, especially German people tend to be very straight, right? But <laughs> I would say in an international level um, I, I, or, an, or an international level, I, 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 rarely, I rarely hear, I'm totally against what, we, what, what you are saying. I even don't know why I'm here. I don't want to do this. This is, again, very, very seldom the case. But what I would sometimes then do is that I ask about the past. So you have six to eight people or even more within a room. This was um, possible before we had the pandemic. <laughs> um, and you ask them, like, what are your lessons learned or what went wrong in your last proof of values or in the last software uh, implementation or so forth? Mm -hmm. And this is normally then the opportunity for the notoric change enemy to say everything he or he or she always wanted to say about things which can go wrong mm -hmm. and you i hear this very often so it's like uh, we had a lack of responsibilities um it was the, the sales team was over promising um we had the uh we actually thought it's less work for us um the the whole thing was timing wise a disaster big because um 
we had the proof of concept then, or the end of the proof of concept or proof of value was during our freeze. And, 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 and the longer the list is, the more you know this is the enemy. Because they don't say this normally that you really learn from it. They say this because they are obviously honestly annoyed. They are annoyed of doing something new. And again, this is nothing else than, than this is nothing like a, a productive lessons learned round or so. I'm just doing this to know like who is who is a certain kind of, I would say, indirect or maybe sometimes even direct aggression against anything new. And normally you, you learn this then quite quickly. And afterwards you learn this, or if you learn this and you know your enemies, um, it's always better to make um, those enemies or to, to embed those enemies in certain kinds of, I don't know, institutions, or you would like to say this. Mm. What I'm using quite often is the thing called Benjamin Franklin effect, meaning normally people tend to find to more um, friendly and to like you more if you ask them for a certain favor or a certain opinion because they are experts. So cut them off a bit of the project and ask them, I don't know, ask the head of IT, um, I just heard, I don't know, um, that uh, no, we have the internal, we have any kind of internal thing with the data center, blah, de, blah, de, blah, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on, on, on getting, getting things um, into the cloud? What are critical um, um, success factors and so forth? And then they start talking and they obviously feel flattered, right? Because you ask them, you identify them as an expert. And normally just putting them on the sideline and giving them just an opportunity to shine without blocking anything is in most of the cases the best thing. This does not mean that it always works, right? I mean, there will be people who are just so destructive that you just don't get them, even with the Benjamin Franklin effect. That's, that's, that's just reality. And then there must be, must be a kind of conflict or escalation, I know. But in the beginning, at least, this will be my tip. I like it. That's really cool. That's really cool. So you try to identify um, uh, uh, potential roadblockers by asking a simple question in the, in the sales process and ask them, um, hey, what went wrong in the past with IT projects when I understood it correctly? I really like this. I've never tried it myself. I like this. And I also like the, the second one, uh, asking people for their expertise. Uh, disconnected to what you've been doing so far, or maybe connected, but uh, that this works. So I, that these are really cool techniques, actually. Thanks. Yeah. Um, right. You, I think you even have a fifth one you said at the beginning, Manfred. Well, yeah, we have, we're now at four. We're now at four. So these were already four, though, now. <laughs> but like three plus one. It. But, but uh, we, we have one extra afterwards, right? Um, well, they, 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 there is a now a very decisive one. And I know that knowing a lot of people, or at least some people working in the pre-sales um, also, and in solutions engineering, I know how pissed they sometimes are when it comes to just sales people hiding within a PO uh, proof of value or proof of concept phase. Um, there, there might be some clear motivations, or there, there might be a clear motivation why people or salespeople are hiding. Um, like, I don't know, they're really overpromised, maybe, for example. Are uh, people or, hide during, sorry that I understand you correctly, Manfred. So people, the salespeople hide while the customer is doing the proof of value, basically. Right, indeed. indeed. Ah, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I heard this so often, and I've seen this quite often, 
that they said like this is a pure precise slash tech thing please do your tech testing afterwards when the, the thing is getting hot and we're doing or sealing the deal i will be back no worries this is exactly the wrong mentality from my point of view yeah you have to lead within this process as well this does not mean that you know how to i don't know um build up the the, the, the proof of value how you exactly know which key elements should be there, which key requirements should be there. Uh, but you have to at least have the internal or must guide the people internally. Also, please be aware of this. You have the highest interest in, an, in a successful um, proof of value because afterwards it will be your deal. So motivate your, your internal people. And also always communicate internally um, success cases also is so important. Please do not hide. Please do not hide. You own this phase also. Maybe not from a obviously not 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 from a um, not from a standpoint that you should do it from an operational point of view, but lead in 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 these terms that you motivate people, that you structure things, and obviously also tell them how great they're doing or not or not also. And also put some pressure, uh, some time, time pressure also on in, in internal people also. I mean, what works externally sometimes works internally, right? So it's the same techniques. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, yeah. Makes sense. And the last one is the extra tip, right? Uh, yeah, because we are we are almost through, uh, Monfrey. Okay. You are feeling you are pushing one you pushing one out one tip after each other so let's get to the last one and right. uh, i think that's even that's also even going that's going to be the last thing you can say so oh, okay let's... perfect so w one last thing i would like to um ask you to is like be one step ahead what does this mean um always try to put be always try to be the pressure not to face the pressure and like we all know these techniques right but a very very important thing for me um is um, that you always face um, and always have in mind a certain kind of date when, by when you would like to seal the deal. And you mm -hmm. can say like, dear guys, uh, we only can have three weeks of proof of value because afterwards I don't have any internal approval or afterwards it costs more or afterwards I cannot allocate any more resources and so forth. So this does help always. So be one step ahead. Always think about the the, the um, end of the process, not not the beginning, and not be within the process all the time. So that's mm -hmm. that's the fifth one. Be one step ahead. Mm -hmm. Is it something, maybe to add something concretely that you do to remind yourself to be one step ahead, or is it Indeed. for you? It's something that that you do automatically, or how do you no, do that? No, 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 no. I, well, some things might might be just I don't know because I do it so often. Just might be not machines. I don't know. Uh, but you have to stru structure each and everything. You have to remind yourself and you have to have people reminding you. So this is not a one a one people or a one person's game, right? So this is really a team effort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? How do you remind yourself? So you basically by other people reminding you as well or um, have it in your like in your daily work? Uh... Well, I, I have something like a deal shot clock, right? Like you have in basketball. It can take, I don't know, 60, so let's say 60 days, 90 days whatsoever. And you're mm -hmm. always working against this target. Mm -hmm. So this automatically sort of limits and, and put, 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 pushes pressure on you. 
uh, to, to really check each and everything if you can go faster. Because as I said, first, the first goal I'm always having is reducing say cycles, especially in complex procurement situations. Mm -hmm. Which one of these tips do you think reduces sales cycles the most? <laughs> well, honestly speaking, I even think it's not the enemy. Because mm -hmm. getting the blockers uh, in a, at, a very, at a very early stage aside um, can save days, months, quarters, I don't know. This mm -hmm. might be the most important thing timing-wise. Yeah. Manfred, thank you very much for joining today's episode. Um, that was really valuable. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining. Thanks, Patrick, for having me. And to all salespeople outside, happy hunting. Thank <laughs> you.